The Southern Fried Witch, and today we're only going to talk about, well, I just curse myself because there's no telling what I'm going to do, but my intention today is to talk to y'all about gardening. Y'all know we had a late freeze. Um, I believe it was May, but don't hold me to it. I believe it was, though. We have one, two, three, four pear trees and um, an almond tree and two peach trees. And nothing made it. Not a damn thing because of that freeze. They were covered in all these sweet little babies that all fell to the ground about uh, three days after the freeze. So we lost that this year. And you would think that that would put me in the mind of assuring that whatever else I grew was going to be well taken care of. And you would be incorrect. I'm working so many jobs that it's already difficult to kind of juggle the, the farm and the writing I do for a magazine and uh, under my government name and my teaching jobs online for graduate school and, and, and so many things, watching the baby, doing the coven work, cleaning the house. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, haven't really been able to write as much on my book as I wanted to because of it. You know, I, I see people saying all the time online, Real writers have to go through this. They have to kind of write on the toilet, you know, do whatever they can. But the truth is, y'all, I I don't do well like that. I have to feel inspired. I have to kind of be in the headspace to write. I can't just shove it out on demand. It doesn't work like that for me. So my writing has also taken a bit of a plunge. And there's something about that creativity going down because I'm so overworked and the farm not getting the attention it wants. I think they're linked. I really do. Because the farm for me is creativity. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about the farm today. Let's talk about that. In years gone by, many, many moons ago, you probably have already heard me discuss it. I have no idea how long it's been since I've talked about it. But a long, long time ago, we heavily tilled the high tunnel. That was a particularly ignorant move because we'd already had to kind of carve into the landscape a little bit to make it level enough right there. It was a side of a cliff and to make it level enough to put in a high tunnel. So we already had scraped off topsoil and, you know, really good, healthy stuff. And so... I don't know what in the hell possessed us. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> but because there's so much clay in Alabama, it had hard packed already a little bit when we did that. And no amount of amendment was going to change anything. No amount. I mean, it just got lost in the clay. And what we decided to do, what I had to do, first of all, was to make it up to the land. You know, at the time, this was our only option, was a tiny little piece of woods, very small. And altogether, the high tunnel is not that far, not that long. It's very short. 
It's one of the shortest ones they said they've ever done. It's a 24 foot by 54 foot. So that's, that's, a, that's a small one, really. However, it changed the game for us. You know, there was a, a space to actually get sun. It gets full southern exposure. But, you know, there were reparations to be made to that woods. And we have slowly made them, and I've talked about that before. Um, and the only way... Now, I'm speaking to y'all as a witch, by the way, and also a pagan. The only way to truly be, number one, be able to grow anything, but number two, to make those reparations was to build up because we had taken, I don't know, three feet off of that land to build this hot tunnel. You know, I remember thinking, huh, I mean, it was on a slant, so... The first carve down was the deepest, and that was the one that, honestly, we could never grow anything there again. So I have a long line there of planters and things like that. But as it slopes off into the cliff and right over a beautiful pond, that section still had a little bit of soil repaired to it, but not very much. And so we created raised beds all the way across it. What we had done was not exactly hoogle culture. I don't know how to say that. I'm, I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. But it was something akin to it. Because in those raised beds, we put leaves and sticks and manure and really good topsoil. And we kept on going and going. And that's been a couple of years now. That's been several years now. And it's starting to become part of the soil and part of that land that we cut into. I don't advise doing what we did. I don't. I knew when we did it that I had caused harm. And for that, all I can do is promise to grow things on it for the rest of my natural life. And that is what I'm doing. And the reason I'm telling y'all this is that meant two, three years of doing nothing but healing the land. Okay? I couldn't expect it to give me any food. I couldn't expect it to grow pretty flowers. I couldn't expect it to do shit. I had fucked up when it was my turn for several years to bring some kind of peace back to that place, um, health, vigor, and to kind of also let it do what I wanted to do. So in that time, we didn't grow very much in there at all. And when we attempted to, like, you know, a couple of pepper plants or anything that was taller than, you know, salad might be, uh, it was a weak experience. It really was. The soil wasn't ready. We couldn't support life yet. And then I guess I just got in the habit of it. You know, I got in the habit of growing things in pots and outside of that high tunnel. I got in the habit of not expecting very much. And so I kept on with my mission, which was to bring all that back. Um, I've told y'all before, our rabbits are fantastic for this endeavor. We don't eat them. Um, they're, they're the little lion's mane, angora, little domesticated cuties. They're not supposed to, and that's not their job. <laughs> At least not unless it's the zombie apocalypse. It's not their job to feed us. But what they are still doing is feeding us. And that's because their scat is better than anything you can buy at your local hardware or gardening store. I mean, we tried black cow for years and years and it's OMRI certified, and it's been fully composted. 
I have to wonder sometimes if trace metals and other things don't get in, you know. And it did okay. It did. And then we tried other super organic things, you know, and I still stand by some of those, you know, weed tea (laughs) and not the fun kind uh, where you just cook it and then pour. That's good, too. All that's really good, too. Nothing ever changed the response like rabbit's cat. Not a damn thing. And so I'll tell y'all one more time, even if you're tired of hearing it, rabbit scat is not hot like any other manure would be. So there's a lot of cook down time you got to worry with with your chickens. And we do save their hay, you know, their straw, the stuff that's on the bottom that's full of all their poo and all that. But it has to sit, y'all, and cook and become this thing. If you put it directly on your your garden beds or if you're a farmer directly out there, it could burn your plants. The nitrogen is just simply too high. And, you know, I don't know the science behind the difference with something like cow manure and rabbit scat, but I do know that rabbit scat can be taken fresh from underneath their cage that day and directly applied around a plant, and it's not going to burn it. You see, they're composting it in their tummies, so it, it's not hot. And then, if you're like me, and you're very worried that your garden doesn't end up with pesticide anywhere near it, or herbicide, or any kind of aside, <laughs> it's very possible to just feed your rabbits organic food. And we are trying to get to a place we haven't been able to do it yet, but we're enacting it this fall when we grow our own alfalfa or Timothy. I'd rather do alfalfa so that we're closing the loop on our farm. And a closed loop system is a very healthy individual sort of ecology. And y'all, that kind of ecology is fantastic for witchcraft. When you're growing your own mushrooms like we're doing, when you're growing your own manure, I reckon we're growing it. When you're growing the things that go into the animals that produce your manure, when you're saving your own seed, when your water is from a water table on the land and not from the city, everything becomes a closed loop. This is what we're striving for. The reason is because I can actually tell you what the source is of all of these magical plants. I can tell you what their ancestors were. I can point to the animals that fed those plants. And it just gets a synergy to it after a while. And I know not everybody can find this or do this. But I'm not just talking to um, y'all who have a little tiny piece of land. And I've told y'all before, tiny piece of land. 1.39 acres, all right? And all of it is fit and situated upon this land. I tell you what I've thought time and time again about doing some online classes to teach folks how to do a micro farm on something super, super small. I've seen them before. With the ones I'm seeing are pagan, you know? They're not considering as much as I would, um... Every living creature and every living organism on that plot of land. And I think that I might do that. Y'all holler at me if you think that's a good idea. Anyway, back to the magic of it all. 
So all last year, there was one plot that just grew sweet potatoes. And I'm here to tell you that I will never plant sweet potatoes in the high tunnel again. Mm-mm-mm, bad idea. First of all, it's warmer in there, so it takes them longer to die off. And second of all, they tried to eat it. It was like something from the Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I couldn't walk anywhere. Vines everywhere, chopping them back, trying to walk. No, 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 no. No more of that, young lady. My sweet potato darling now lives outside and is doing a lot of heavy lifting on aerating the soil. You know, they they don't take as much as they give. And at the end of the year, when all their tops are, you know, they're still green, but you know you're kind of done. I could get into that later on in the year. I wait till about mm, late October, early November. I've been known to go all the way to December. It depends upon the weather. And then you run over that with a mower. I have an Econo piece of machinery now that works on a battery. And that goes on top of that bed, feeding it. And altogether, growing sweet potatoes, honey, mm -mm. it might be poor person food but there's a reason for that it was easy to grow you could save your slips um, or your potatoes to create slips it's nutritious and it's good for the ground and almost anybody can grow them if there was only one vegetable I'd ask you to try it'd be a sweet potato (laughs) anyway back to the magic of all of it so everything has a job here Everything is working to help another thing. Like I just taught y'all about sweet potatoes, right? And aerating the soil. So I let that bed inside that hot tunnel really, really rest. And every time we had to go up underneath that rabbit um, coop situation, what was underneath there besides rabbit scat was also organic alfalfa. Mm-hmm. And we would take all that and loam it up on top of these beds to rest over winter. And then this year, I went out there, and I planted peppers. Now, y'all, I planted these peppers everywhere under there. I must have had 200 uh, pepper plants. I don't know why I do what I do. I'm a southern old woman, and I don't make the rules. Anyway, I planted them everywhere. So there were multiple beds in which there was just like mushroom compost um, that I'm making myself. Thank you very much. I don't trust other people's stuff. Um, You know, weed tea. There was even a couple that had black cow in it. And we replenished the soil from an organic source. So there was a lot going on in the high tunnel. But only one of those beds got loamed the hell up with rabbit scat. Only from six rabbits, by the way, who live the life of queens. They have a condo. Believe me, they're fun. And alfalfa that have been aged underneath their, um, I don't know what to call it. It's a chicken coop. (laughs) I don't know what to call it. Off the ground. And then I planted peppers everywhere down there. I've taken some videos. I put some stuff up on Instagram. I'm a grandma. I don't really understand Instagram that much. And I'm not able to, well, maybe I'm just not willing to spend a whole lot of time over there. 
Now, they're doing good. Everywhere else my pepper plants are like, you know, your standard two, three foot tall. Couple of them maybe working on four feet. Nice, bushy, throwing off food. However, that plot that I loamed up all that yum in, uh-huh. I have one pepper plant that just now, I went out there and measured it today. I just couldn't believe it myself. It is now seven and a half feet tall. They're like trees. They're girthy. Their stems look like bark. And I know if you, if you've ever gardened or know anything about growing shit, I bet you're thinking to yourself or it will occur to you soon anyway. Oh, it was all the nitrogen. So they just grow tall, but there's not a lot of fruit. Oh, no, 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 sister witch. Uh Uh-uh. They're covered. It's dripping off of them. It looks like they're Christmas trees. I've never seen anything like it. And I need a ladder to get my peppers. Because I'm only five foot tall, y'all. And I know it's, I guess, exhausting and perhaps not even fashionable anymore for me to keep on saying, this is about connection to the land. This is about listening to what it needs. This is about actually going out of your comfort zone, getting sweaty, and connecting. Nobody can give you that. You have to earn it. And there's nothing around that. And I've said it to people before. I get it. If you can't, I get it. If there are certain situations in which I have a friend who's in a wheelchair and she will actually go out to community gardens that have accessibility just to get her hands in dirt. You know, with the raised, um, we did this with master gardeners, the raised beds where she can reach those critical for her, critical. You're not going to get that connection anywhere else. Not that way. Not until you become part of the wheel of the year. But I also see the limitations. And I have to wonder, doesn't the universe know when you're supporting a small farmer? I think, I think she does. Doesn't the universe know when you choose to go to a farmer's market instead of the grocery store? I think she does. Do y'all think that your god or goddess or your ancestors, I don't know, any of the above, pay attention when you grow a tiny little pot of chives? I want to believe they do, because for me, Gaia is pretty much everything, you know? Oh, hold on, one of my dogs is growling at the universe. Hold on. Moonshine! Nuh-uh! Sorry, my dog's out back. My They watch my chickens, uh, Australian shepherds, and they're adorable. They're getting old, though. They're 10 now. Anyway, they allow the birds to take, like, a certain percentage of their food. They fully allow it. They'll lay there with their head on the ground and just allow it. The crows, the, I love my crows, the uh, bluebirds, the robins, the cardinals, everybody can have a bite. The woodpecker who lives in the tree over their head, everybody can have a bite. The squirrels are even allowed one or two. I've noticed they get a little persnickety about that one. But then after they feel like they've had their fill, I mean the dogs feel like the creatures have had their fill, 
they then growl and say, that's a damn enough. <laughs> Get off my dog food. See, even the dogs know you got to work with it. You got to get in the cycle, baby. You got to feel this. It's awesome. What else can I tell you about gardening today since it's really just a reprieve for me to talk about it? I went out there earlier and got almost heat stroked. It's like uh, 90 something a day feels like 100, but the inside of the hot tunnel is 120. And I kind of got dizzy. I kind of got sick, so I had to leave for a little while. All right, there is one more thing. One of the other magical things that I've seen proof of. Let's talk about that. I've always believed and will always believe that music, you know, the beat and the sound. I've always believed that it's capable of connecting us to other things. Whether, I mean, it's obvious, right? The past, uh, that's nostalgia. Sick animals, I don't know if you've ever done that research, but animals respond to music, including elephants. (laughs) Our own hearts, it can heal us, it can make us sad, make us joyous, make us ready for war or battle. And for some time, folks have tried to ascertain or measure the effects, if you will, of music upon plants and trees with mixed reviews and non-consistent data. At the end of the day, I damn straight know that they do respond. I surely do. So let's talk about the very unprofessional test that I did with my farm, y'all. When I was trying to heal the soil, just the soil. Now this was an interactive thing. This was me mixing in old uh, leaves from the woods Mushrooms, it was red wigglers, um, black cow. This is way before I started the rabbit scat. But eventually it was also that. Um, only using my well water, which I really do. If you are using a garden hose on your plants, there are little filters you can add to the end of that. I think they sell them on Amazon. And it'll strip out all that bullshit you do not want. One of those things, y'all, being chlorine. Y'all really don't want that on your plant. But there's other things too, heavy metals, things like that. But you can get that. I think I found one time for like $24 and it'll last you most of the season. It's a great, great idea. So I'm, I'm working here to heal this land. And I felt that past a ritual, which is a one time or maybe a couple of times a year shot, that I needed to do something that was a little bit more involved. And so I started playing music to the soil. Let me tell you how that looked. I'd take an old piece of wood, and I'd put my speaker. What the hell kind of speaker was that? A J-something. What's it called? I don't know. Anyway. And I would put the speaker directly onto the soil. And I get that that's technology, but... I wanted to um, do something other than singing in my horrible voice. (laughs) And I'm not great with a drum. I try, though, and I will do it. And I did do it, and it did work. But I'm not as great as other people. I'm kind of, I'm not very talented. Anyway, and so when I was out there doing this kind of work, you know, looming in and working in all these amendments, And ripping away weeds that, and weeds are what? I've taught y'all this. Weeds are just plants that we don't want in a certain place. 
Mm-hmm. However, chamber bitter can eat up your entire garden. And so chamber bitter works better in a weed tea, you know, out in the woods. I don't want it in my high tunnel. So pulling all those kinds of things. Also, I wanted the soil to rest and I didn't want anything growing on it at the time. Y'all, this would be appropriate even for like a two by four raised bed. Still, the love is the same. Okay. So I would place that speaker there and y'all, I had a party that year. I was like, okay, let's see what it locks and when it doesn't lock. On one of those beds, before I did anything different, so at this point, all beds were the same. (laughs) On one of those beds, I played heavy metal. And I'm not, I'm sorry, y'all, I'd like to be tougher and cooler. I'm not into heavy metal. I do like a little Metallica because I'm an old school kind of gal. So the Sandman, or Enter the Sandman, played quite a bit there. And also, you know, I don't know what you would classify this as, but ACDC. There was a lot of highways to hell over that way. And then the other one got James Taylor. You know, Joan Baez, the folk artist. And then another one, well, they got Grandmaster Flash and just old hip-hop that I've never been able to get rid of in my heart. I love it so much. And then the other one was like classic Bruce Springsteen, my heart. What's up, my New Jersey darling? Um... When I say classic, I'm still old, y'all, like Bob Seger, the Rolling Stones. And then another one got lullabies. Mm-hmm. It got lullabies and instrumental ones at that. And then the last one, of course, got country. I am from here. I really despise that kind of canned commercial country music, but there's some good shit out here, y'all. I'm talking Tyler Childress and... Sturgill Simpson and and maybe a little old school Patsy Cline from time to time. So it got that. And it's not like the ground can't hear it, <laughs> you know, all the way across. But I, I kind of did a little bit of an experiment. And I will tell you, at the end of the day, the most shocking thing I found out was the slower the music, the more the soil loved it. So my ACDC little plot, and this is without anything growing in it, That one did the worst when I planted things in it later on. And I played this music to it all the time. And I get that this is not a qualified experiment. I'm just talking to y'all. Don't at me. And the music it loved the very best was the Patsy Cline. Was, um, I Fall to Pieces. Oh, yeah. That one grew the most amazing sunflowers later on that year. So tall, we had to brace them. And I may be wrong. Maybe there was another factor going on. But then, after I planted things there, I continued the experiment, but I switched it up. (laughs) And whether or not y'all believe me, I will tell you right now. Tomatoes and peppers absolutely damn straight love ACDC and the Rolling Stones. They just do. It's their favorite. Mm-hmm. And green beans, well, they're kind of folky. They really like the folk stuff, you know, little Jackson Brown even. That was their favorite. Andrew Duhon. Oh, God, I love me some Andrew Duhon. Y'all, if you have not heard of Andrew Duhon, 
and his gorgeous Cajun voice, run. And at the end of the day, it makes sense to me that a plant would respond to a sound wave, a beat. Because, honey bunny, so do I. Oh, oh, the lullaby one? Um, that was the lettuces, the salads. Um, loved it. Their favorite. Marigolds. Things like that. Lower to the ground. Loved it. Anyway, I guess I am that old eccentric southern witch, and I don't talk about how I grow very often, and I can't prove to you <laughs> that magic has anything to do with it. I can say that Jeebus, y'all, do y'all have a seven-foot-tall pepper tree? Because I do. I do. And they won't stop. Sometimes I just want to holler out, somebody send help. I'm in deep shit here. <laughs> when I have to explain things like this, like to my kids or one day to my grandchild and often to my coven, it's really hard to explain magic, isn't it? I put it like this. Until you place yourself within this wheel of the year, until you put yourself back down deeply into Gaia and make yourself a growing plant within her. And yes, that is possible. Until you're literally part of the cycle itself, um, I feel like there's something inexplicably missing from your life. And I've said before, there are ways to do it. Even if you lived in the desert, there are ways to do this, but... It's that connection. It's so critical. And just like the plants are not going to listen to Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones in the same way I will, the sound waves are still having an effect. And just like I don't respond in the same exact way as the sunflowers do when the light hits them in the morning and they turn their little heads. Oh, no, I don't respond the same way I should. I don't. I'm worried about checking emails and grading papers and getting shit done. I'm worried about bills, so I miss it. But if I tap in and I even attempt to pay attention the way the sunflower is, I'm affected the same way. Suddenly, that's the only direction I want to look. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is at the end of the day, we are horribly, inherently tragically separated from our ecology and our environment it's unsustainable we rush to find you know the best new vitamin or medicine or what may have you to help us sleep better and ignore the plants growing out of our ground and I'm not and I never will be a proponent of someone who says oh we can't turn to pharmaceuticals I know I think that we have to there are situations in which we only can. Life or death, right? However, why would that ever negate a delightful ginger tea to settle our tummy? Or some lemon balm? Why would that ever negate our connection to what was our only, and I'm sorry, the only sacred inheritance we have as witches and pagans on this planet? It's, it belongs to us, but not in the way we understood it before. Not in the way where we're, you know, the colonizer. <laughs> you 
you know, ripping the land and tilling it and forcing monoculture everywhere. And I am Lord. Oh, you fucking asshole. No, you're not. And you are so not in tune. And you're probably not healthy. Our inheritance to be a part of the family. That's what our legal right is. Not legal. Um, sacred. The only real one that we can count on. And if the trees don't remember our names, we can't blame our society forever. We can't say, well, I'm living in this situation and, uh, okay, well, find one. How far do you have to drive to find one? How far do you have to drive to find an organic farmer? How far do you have to drive to find, I don't know, a dandelion growing out of a sidewalk? And how hard would it be to do a little gorilla gardening? Y'all know what that is? This is our sacred inheritance. The connection to the medicine. The connection to the welfare. The connection to the ecology of the planet is our only true inheritance. And it has been stolen from us. But it's like that thing like once you know it. Uh, and you ignore it, now whose fault is it? That book I'm writing, y'all, this is what that's about. Anyway, let me tell you a last story and then I'll get the fuck out of here. All right. So I've told you before, it's one of my only real, like, significant memories of my grandma that had to do with gardening or farming or anything. And she came from farming folk, okay? And she saw the ravages of cotton in Alabama and also that disgusting, harrowing history that dehumanized people because of the color of their skin. She was very close to all of that. She understood that. That was a very dangerous flower, she used to tell me. <laughs> it wants to make you bleed. I'll never forget that. But the memory I hold the deepest, the one that matters the most to me, well, there's two, so if y'all don't mind. The first one is that she'd gotten older, you know, she'd gotten older and it's not a great idea for an older woman to live way out in the middle of nowhere. And she'd moved back to town anyway, so that my mother could be a cheerleader and wear fancy clothes and ugh, be part of civilization. Somebody save me. So she was there. She was on a very major street in a North Alabama town. A house that she had blueprinted herself and designed herself. And that her brothers, who had a construction company, built for her. All right. But in the backyard. Because you can take the girl out of the country all day long, y'all. But you cannot take the country out of the girl. And I do believe old women are just girls stuck in an aging body. Anyway. She had grapevines. Not a lot of them only a couple of them and they were built and so that it could be an arbor of sorts but to get it to be the arbor the new growth she would stand there and she used to buy her fingernails so they were really knobby like that and I would watch her I would be transfixed by this she would braid them sort of together way over her head so that that arbor could continue and snip off the scraggly bits I would watch it, and it was like a dance. It was like her fingers were dancing. 
And I, I remember thinking, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I, what is she doing? And so one time I asked her, I said, why do you even go to all this trouble, Grandma? You can go get grapes at the local Piggly Wiggly or whatever the hell that was back then. And she said, no grapes will ever taste as sweet as the ones I worked myself. It took me forever to understand that there was sacrifice in that. And that the sacrifice made the grapes sweeter. That the connection of standing in the sun and doing the work with arthritis in her hands made that ever so much more deep of an experience. Hmm. Well, I know I told y'all I was going to tell you the other one, but like an old woman, (laughs) I've already forgotten the other story. Let me see if I can pick that thread up in my head. Um, (laughs) No, it's gone. Sorry. (laughs) Now you know it's a real podcast. No notes, baby. I have no notes. I'm sure it was really good. Damn. Oh, well. Uh, I just remembered. Okay. Um, One afternoon... I was, I I lived with her on and off as a teenager, by the way, I had a very troubled childhood and I did live with my grandma quite a bit to uh, exist (laughs) Um, because my home life was messed up. Anyway, one afternoon, I believe it was a Saturday and she got up really early and I was a stink ass teenager and I didn't want to go. And she was like, I'm going to go get some crappie. And the way she said it, it took me forever to find out that the spelling of that is C-R-A-P-P-I-E because she said crappie. Anyway, they're, they're a smaller fish and they're a lot of bones and all that. But she took off. Uh, she took off with a fishing pole and a thermos. And I didn't see her till later on that afternoon. And when she came back in, she went to work and she did all of this herself, you know, all by herself. And she fried up what she called a mess of crappie and made this delicious iced tea. And down here in the deep south, we always have beans. I mean, that's something we do. And I think it was field peas and made field peas and a little bit of fat back in it. And um, one of the weird things I I don't know if y'all ever heard about is a fresh green onion to the side, you know, the smaller ones with the green tops and you take a bite of that and a bite of cornbread and a bite of the beans and it was this experience it was this like acidic bite that cleansed your palate and steadied you up for that cornmeal fried crappie oh 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 and a slice of lemon which no we did not grow (laughs) and I never I never even knew what tartar sauce was we didn't have all that nonsense on the side back when I was growing up. And I remember that meal being the most amazing, nurturing, sustaining meal of my entire damn childhood. And when I asked her what is different, she said what a lot of folks used to say. I put my foot in it. And I was like, that didn't make it. Ew, what? Ew, what the, what the hell does that mean? What they mean when they say down here in the deep south, I put my foot in it. It means I was part of this. It means I sank into this experience. It means that my energy is in it. Okay? My love, my time. She didn't pick it up at the store. And those two experiences with her. Wow. 
They never left me. I think back to that movie, Doc Hollywood. Such a silly little movie with Michael J. Fox. I think it was the late 80s. It might have been early 90s. I have no good memory anymore about this uh, boy that um, was on his way to California. Some such. And anyway, lost control of a very expensive car and ran into this little bitty town. It was out in Florida, actually. Um, I know this town. I've been to this town. It's a beautiful town. My father lived in this town. This was a wonderful place. And uh, ran into the judge's fence right after they'd built it and painted it, it in the middle of being painted at the time, and just like destroyed it. And um, Michael J. Fox's character, I can't remember the name of right now, is desperately trying to get back on the road. He wants to be a plastic surgeon in California. He don't want to be stuck in bone-fucked Egypt, which otherwise known as the South. And um, the judge tries to explain to him every time he offers him money, you can't pay me for a fence I built myself. There it is. In that one sentence, there shimmers the deepest truth you'll ever hear about connection to this planet. You can't pay me. Mm. Talk about fucking capitalism up, am I right? You can't pay me. Not really. Not for uh, cowboy candy. Oh, those yummy slices of red and lemon spice and green jalapenos I grew my own damn self. You can't pay me for that. I mean, you could if I allowed it. But what he meant was, you're never going to be able to pay me the worth of it. It's impossible. Money just can't do that. Even in trying to pull myself away for the work I've done, and um, with other things, with animals, and with the water table, and with the sunshine, and the rain, and the harrowing fucking winter. When I'm working with that, if I try to pull myself out of that equation, I'll bleed out. I'll bleed out. You can't pay me for that. But in our current economy... Someone's going to have to try if we're going to eat, right? But let's never forget the reason behind it. And let's never forget that this was our inheritance as witches and as pagans. This is our inheritance, this connection. And I will always fight to keep it. All right, I'm done. The last thing I wanted to tell y'all before I go make cowboy candy... <laughs> is um you only have a few days left you only have let me look yep you only have i think to the 29th so do run and i do mean run and stop it go 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 look at hackraft farm she gave us a 20 percent off coupon and then she marked everything way the hell down these are magical cloaks these are magical tunics these are for all bodies, all genders. Go look. That code for 20% off the already sale price items. Yes, she honors that. So it's like astounding. I, I don't even know what she's doing right now. But the code is SFW, like Southern Fried Witch, 
SFW2023. SFW is in all caps. SFW2023. And yes, it works on sale items. And there is a way to do the whole um, pay an installment thing. She's got loaded into her little program. Run. It's over on the 29th. So hurry up. I want to show her that we do care about artists. If there's something you've been looking at, now's the time. Go, go, go. All right, y'all, I'm out of here. Love y'all like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.